Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Hey guys, today on the show I have Melissa Williams with me. Melissa is a social worker, she is an advocate, she works with survivors of human trafficking. She is just overall really fun and I know that you guys are going to enjoy our conversation today. What's pretty hilarious though is that I realized after I got done talking with Melissa that our conversation was quite lengthy, which was amazing and I enjoyed every moment of it, but we need to separate it into two different episodes. So this week is going to be part one and then Melissa will join us back again next week for part two. Hope you enjoy. All right, Melissa, thanks for being on the show. No problem. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for asking me to participate. Yes, absolutely. We're happy that you're here with us. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So uh, currently I live in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, I'm a licensed social worker in the state of North Dakota. And so currently um, I'm doing human trafficking, well, I should say anti-human trafficking work for the state um, through some state and federal grants. And I've been doing that for almost three years. Uh, Prior to that, I was doing treatment foster care work. And then prior to that, I was at a psychiatric and addictions hospital in town doing uh, social work as well. So in a nutshell, that's my background and in, in where I currently live. And I um, have no kiddos yet, so I live vicariously through my sister with my nieces and nephews. Oh, so, um, yeah, I stay busy that way. And, you know, I'm always hanging out with my family and when I'm not working, it seems like, or talking to them in some capacity. So okay. always keeps it interesting. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I had to laugh too about your, you should say anti-trafficking because I used to say, I oh love human God. trafficking. And then I was like, that yes. sounds so bad. Like that I is know. not what I mean. Well, in my title, like everybody gives me the stink eye when because my title is human trafficking navigator. Oh, yeah. Certainly makes sense. But to other people, they're like, that literally sounds like you're facilitating human trafficking. <laughs> and so I just right. like over the last year have tried to really make a point to say anti-human trafficking so people don't give me that look. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And I know that, you know, in your job, you talk a lot about human trafficking, but I do think it might be helpful for people to have, you know, just a brief understanding of you know, what is considered human trafficking and maybe even a little bit about how that impacts our state in particular so they have an understanding of that. For sure. Uh, it impacts our state uh, tremendous, tremendously. I don't think, you know, I think that the trouble in, in different ways with North Dakota is that North Dakota nice mentality. You know, people here wouldn't do that. They wouldn't purchase sex. They wouldn't right. exploit people for sex or labor. There's just a lot of um, people that struggle to understand or believe that. And we do have a very large market for sex and labor trafficking in our state, um, all over the state, not just specific to the oil boom or otherwise. Uh, we see it everywhere. Some of our biggest cases have, have come out of really, really small towns. Um, and so, you know, in a nutshell, I always just tell people, yes, it happens here. It happens all over here. Uh, and, and really to, to understand trafficking, you know, there's state and federal definitions for trafficking. Um, where I really like to break it down is where there's, there's that third person involvement or that third mm-hmm. person benefit. And I know you've heard me talk about this a million times of, um, you know, the, the difference really is when you're exploiting somebody, 
um, that somebody taking advantage of somebody else's weaknesses um, or vulnerabilities. And so the difference really with trafficking is you still have that person taking advantage of you based on weaknesses or vulnerabilities, but there's a third party involved in that, mm-hmm. a third party that's benefiting from that somewhere. So, uh, you know, in the sex trafficking piece, we see familial pimping in our state. So if my mom sells me to somebody um, in order to get free rent or to get drugs or to get money, you know, my mom's that third person that's benefiting there that's not directly involved in the exchange of sex. And so I've even heard that being used with cattle in our state, which still blows my mind that someone had come forward and um, a brand inspector had told me that once, you know, that he has seen an exchange of sex for cattle. And then on the labor piece, yeah, we see a lot of people being exploited for labor. You know, maybe they're not from our country and so they don't understand the culture or the language. And so people are very easily exploited um, within our state as well because of those types of things. They're just being young. You know, most of our victims are actually residents of our state. So um, it's just really scary. And it's really it's really um, I guess there's so many layers to it, to put it. It's short and sweet. It's there's just so many layers to it. I could talk about it all day and all night. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've loved all of the trainings that I've been able to, um, you know, take part in. That has been super beneficial to have a Good. wider understanding of it. Um, you know, because I think that we, when you hear human trafficking, people kind of know, but unless you really dive into it, you don't really understand all of those different layers. Absolutely, and we just don't hear. And part of it is. Our state is so um, taboo in talking about sex and exploitation on on the sex trafficking piece of things. And like we're an abstinence preferred state. So Mm -hmm. even getting people to want to have that conversation sometimes can be really challenging. Uh, We're talking about sex trafficking. And so that's really what we try to do a lot is just break the barriers down and say it's okay to talk to kids about this stuff. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's kind of the same thing, you know, as far as when you talk with somebody about suicide, you ask them about that. That's not going to make them want to commit suicide. And if you talk with a child about sex, it's not going to make them want to have sex. Like, Oh my gosh. You know. I, I know. Um, and I always tell people like, if they don't hear from you as a parent or a healthy adult right. in their life about what it is, they're going to learn it from their friends, from the internet. Like you want to be the trusting, supportive person that they can go to for that. Right. Um, and what an awesome thing to be like, I can't imagine someday having a 15 year old son or daughter that wants to talk to me about their sex life. And some people are like, no way that's creepy. That's gross. And I'm like, bring it on. Right. <laughs> I want you to talk to me about that. Like that to me would speak volumes about the type of parenting that you've instilled or the trust, yes. you know, um, that your kid can do that. I just think that would be huge. Yeah. And I think when you start with that firm foundation as, you know, as a family, um, I have a few friends and even family members I'm thinking of that just have done a really amazing job of setting that foundation of just true, honest discussion. And Absolutely. It, it starts from such a young age, I feel like as well. It does. And And one thing I told you in the last training is like, even with sexting, the most prevalent um, age group for sexting in the nation is fourth and fifth graders. And so people feel like maybe we can start talking about this when they're like seniors in high school, you know, and it's like, no, I mean, this stuff is happening younger and younger. And we have such a culture around sex. We're so driven by sex in our culture in so many different ways um, that it does start from the beginning. Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think one thing to, you know, in thinking about just being really 
honest with our kids and setting up that good communication is one of the best ways, you know, I've learned from you too, one of the best ways to prevent, you know, something like human trafficking or like sexual abuse from occurring, you know, or if something were to occur, you know, kids are better able to identify it and and feel more open to sharing that with an adult. Well, they know they would know that it's wrong. A lot of times, you know, when, when an adult tells you like, Oh, this is our little secret or, you know, nobody explains to you good touch versus bad touch. Right. Those are all things that we're missing the opportunity to speak to kids about that could really change uh, the way that they they come forward, I guess. Because most of the time they're not. They're too ashamed. They're embarrassed. They do trust that adult. Um, again, they've never been taught good touch versus bad touch. And, and a lot of times we not only do we have a culture that really um, focuses on victim blaming, we have a culture that self blames and it was my fault. If I wouldn't have done this, if I only would have done that, it wouldn't have happened to me. And I can think of recently, I even had a, um, a friend of mine and this, I really struggled with this, who, who told me that she, um, ultimately to be blunt with you, she had been raped Mm -hmm. and she was struggling to admit that to herself, you know? And I, I, I just really challenged her because she's like, you know, if I wouldn't have gone to his apartment, like I, you know, I, I trusted him at this point, but I, I drank too much and I just stopped her and I said, if it were the other way around and some guy that you went on a few dates with came to your apartment and was too drunk and, and told you not to pursue him and you did, or excuse me, and um, this guy would ask you to pursue him, what would you have done? And she's like, my God, I wouldn't have even thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I said, right, so why do we have this tendency to self-blame? And and one thing I get asked in trainings all the time is... um you know, why when we talk about human trafficking, people will say, why didn't they just leave? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I completely understand people wanting to understand that and ask that question. But I get so frustrated sometimes because it's like, why is our first question why the victim didn't leave? Why isn't our first question? Why on earth was did this happen to them? Why? What happened to the offender? Why were they, you know, why were they not held accountable? Like our minds always go to the victim or what we could have done differently. And so clearly I'm going on like a little rampage. No. I see this happen every single day in my personal life with people just, and I know you see it too, Kelly, because with your background, of course your friends and family and, and people come to you with these things just because of that. And so right. not only do you see it in your professional life as well, you probably see it personally too. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. I would definitely say that that is very accurate that, you know, professionally, but also personally, you know, people will, bring up really hard things that have happened to them. And I feel so honored that they, you know, trust me with that. They trust me with their story and we can process through that. But a lot of times I think the thing that is different in your personal life versus professional is you have the ability to be maybe a little bit more blunt. I'm always honest with my clients by all means. I never will lie to a client. And I tell clients that like, I am not going to lie to you. So if you're wanting someone who's going to, I'm probably not the person for you, but I think that I love that you tell them that yeah you know I think it's important because I don't want to be lied to you know absolutely and so I think that when it's your family member you just know them at a different or friend or whoever you know you know them at a different level and so sometimes you can be honest in a different way Mm -hmm. if that makes sense you can be and there's a little less red tape of course like right with our professional world you have to follow you know ethics and really take more of a step back and like okay what is the appropriate professional response to this um with friends, I can, I can give them advice in the sense of like, this is what I would do. This is the things I would say. 
Um, yeah. as a professional, technically you really can't do that, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's the difference with my friends too. And I'm anyone that knows me knows I'm pretty blunt. And right. so, um, I, I will tell people those things. And, and again, whether it's, um, harder for them to comprehend it or really to, I guess, come to terms with it, I would much rather help them get to that level than continuously be surface level and not get to the root of, of what the issue is. And I think just as a society, we do that. We just don't, we don't go there enough, if that makes sense. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I love your perspective of, you know, the first thought that people have, why don't they leave versus why does this ever happen? I love that you pointed that out because I, you know, I obviously victim blaming, we discuss a lot, but I hadn't thought about that being such a reaction for people mm-hmm. that that is the thing that they would jump to and how that really impacts and maybe even, you know, shows some clarity and perspectives of society as a whole. And so I'm so happy that you pointed that out. I think that's great. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Every, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I was just thinking back, you know, cause I've been to several trainings and I'm pretty sure almost every single one, someone has asked that. Yes. I'm not even kidding. No, I, I get asked that every time and I get asked on a completely different level or note. It's just um funny how you kind of know what the questions that are coming. I get that question. I get, you know, are we talking to kids or in schools? And then I get, how do you handle this and what do you do for self-care? So if I, if I had a nickel <laughs> for all of those things, it's like every training, I just know I'm going to be answering those, which is great. You know, I want people to ask questions. Absolutely. It just makes me chuckle. Yeah, no. Well, that's good that people are thinking about your self-care though. You know, I know it's really, it is nice yeah. and, and, you know, they're genuine about it. Yes. Yes, most certainly. So I'm wondering if we can switch gears a little bit. Um, so you're still, you know, somewhat similar, but talk a little bit about your blog that you have, Secrets of a Social Worker. Can you tell us about that and explain your mission there? I, you know, I wish I had more time in the day. And I know that's my, my I'm infamous for that excuse, but um <laughs> To focus on it. So I started probably three, well, probably about three and a half, four years ago. And uh-huh. um, I don't, you know, my mission really, I just want to reach more people because um, I think there's so much awesome information and knowledge out there. Yeah. And I just like, I don't want to just share it with the one person that I'm I'm working with. It's like, there's so many perspectives and things that we can be grateful for and focus on and be mindful of. And aware of, um, and can be talking about, you know? And so I just, for me, for one, I love talking. (laughs) And so it's a way for me to, again, reach more people and get some conversation going. But, um, you know, even at a really, really young age, I was always writing like poetry and stuff like around the house, like any piece of paper I could find, I would write a poem on or write a song journal. Um, and so it's just something that I've always been passionate about. And then, you know, when I tried to figure out like, what do I want to do with my life? And and my mom really pointed out to me, social work would be a, a good fit just because I'm always listening and trying to help. And, yeah. and so I just wanted to, um, combine them, I guess. And I didn't really know how to do that. Um, and I was at my husband's, um, aunt and uncle's place out in California a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And they had said, uh, or I was kind of telling them some of my experiences or stories because they were kind of fascinated with some of my background and, and some of the things I've seen. So we were just talking about that. Um, and his uncle had said to me, like, why don't you write a book? Like, you really need to write a book. Yeah. I just like in my brain started going and I'm like, God, I would love to write a book. But there's so many ways, you know, I could write it about my career. I could write it about my personal life and a lot of things that I've learned along the way. I could write it about like self help 
type of stuff. So anyways, right. the story is longer than I intended it to be. But um, I just wanted to start smaller than writing a book. So I'm like, I could start a blog. And I, you know, I love helping people. And um, I've just found it to be, for one, helpful for me. It's really good self-care for me. But to get feedback from people on like, how helpful it was or inspiring. It just feels good to reach more people. Uh, and I just, I, I don't know. That's just, as you know, cause your passion is helping people as is mine. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, typically the people we work with are, are not necessarily our friends and, and family, um, to a larger extent. So it's just a way to reach those people. Right. Right. Yeah. That aren't coming through my office doors. Yes. <laughs> I, guess. I love that. And I feel like in some ways we're kindred spirits with our passions and our goals and that, um, because I agree. I was telling my husband the other day, you know, there are so many kind of little niches in this world of like little pockets of information, almost just like we were talking earlier, um, you know, as far as like setting up websites or, you know, even the podcast or, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. You know, even something as simple as like making a pencil, we were talking about that and how many people it takes to like make a pencil. Like it's a lot more than you think. I know. And so when you think about all of these neat little pockets of information and be, being able to spread that, you know, spread that knowledge and share and you know, different perspectives and um, just really fascinating. There's so many fascinating people in the world. That's what I just keep going back to. Well, and that's, you know, you and I see that firsthand just with the work we do, like the fa- and how how people, um, what I notice is people that as society, we judge every single day are the people that I cannot explain to you how much I've learned from. Yes. Uh, because people who we typically look at as, oh, they're just drunks or they're addicts or they're worthless. You know, you hear all those horrible things about people right. and those quote unquote people are the ones that have taught me the most valuable lessons mm-hmm. in my life. And they are the most resilient wonderful, smart people that I've ever gotten the opportunity to meet. Um, and how that has really inspired me too, as far as writing and really getting that information out there too, on everybody deserves a chance. Everybody has gone through something and, and you, you know, there, not to focus on, on, um, what's on the outside, you know, everybody right. deserves a chance and I don't know. I've just, I've been inspired by them. Yes. I love that. I love the resiliency factor of things. I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of times when we're walking around in the world, we realize how much pain people are in or have been through. And so to be able to, you know, share, you know, share a portion of that with them, mm-hmm. you know, hold that space for them. It, I promise you 20 times over, I have learned more from my clients than I have been able to provide to them. You know, it's literally, there are sessions that I will leave and like, that was life changing. That perspective, I could almost get emotional talking about it, to be honest with you. Absolutely. That perspective was just so fantastic or seeing the progress or um, looking at a situation differently. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's really so empowering and so encouraging in so many ways. I know. And you know, a lot of times it just really brings you back to the present moment. Like we get so wrapped up mm-hmm. in um, what's coming next and wanting control over every situation and um, having this plan all laid out and, you know, not really focusing on what's in front of us. Yes. And um, one example I think of, and I tell this, you've probably heard me say this in a training, but um, I met with a gal at one point um, in a facility and 
I, I really, when I go in to talk to people, I in kind of to alluding to what you said earlier too, about like, I will tell you the truth and here's who I am and what can I help with. And one thing that I do that I would not absolutely not um, expect all providers or professionals to do, but I, I really open it up to them on like, what do you want to know about me? What is mm-hmm. helpful for you to know about me to make this comfortable interaction? Mm-hmm. And usually I get, you know, some off the wall questions or personal questions, or some people don't have any interest in knowing anything about me. It just depends. And this one, yeah. this one gal I met with, um, she said to me, well, I don't know, like, do you like coffee? <laughs> and I, you know, and I went yes. in there to talk a little bit about like sex trafficking, you know, and like yep. on my mind, I was like, here are all the things I'm going to do with her today. Here are all the things I can help with. Here's what's stressing me out, yada, yada. And it just brought me back to like, you know, and I just, in that moment, I was like, I have no idea where this is going, but I yep. was like, I, I love coffee. Do you like coffee? And she's like, oh my God, I love coffee. And we talked about coffee for 20 minutes. Oh. And it's like, it just really brought me back kind of to what we were talking about just now of like, there's, we focus on and get so wrapped up into like all this complex stuff and overwhelmed with things. And it's like, this girl just wanted to have a normal conversation about coffee because she doesn't get to just talk about coffee. Right. You know, right. and I, maybe that's far fetched, but I just, that's a story I think of, no. of like something so small, but it just really was like so impactful in a really weird way for me. No, I love that so much. You know, I think it really shows us that the main thing people want is connection. Yes. And that's what we're missing a lot of times is that connection. And that's what, you know, what you provided and to be able to have just a normal conversation and that, you know, that perspective that you can take away from that. I think that's amazing. I think that's a perfect example of that. Yeah. Do you have any like that, that real, like one that just pops out for you that you're like, that was so hugely impactful for me. You know, can I tell you, it's not um, anything about a client, but can I tell you the story that happened at Chipotle? Yes. <laughs> I love Chipotle, I like by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I had had a, a kind of challenging day and I stopped at Chipotle and Fargo and in front of me, there was a group and there was, um, I think it was two men and a, and a woman. Yep. And they had a coupon and I don't know the details of that. So I'm not going to assume what it was, but it was something to the effect of he, I think he said that if you spent so much, you got so much money off. So they were really counting on this to get the money off of their meal, uh, which I've been there too. I totally get that. Yeah. Um, but the lady was having some difficulty with the coupon. And so when they got up there, um, you know, they're like, oh, you know, if you, you sold me this, I mean, it was like, they were almost cursing at her. And mm-hmm. what is the one thing when you're anxious that does not help being yelled at? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. If, if you want her to hurry, probably you should give her a little grace. Like it's not her, <laughs> yeah. it's not her fault that the machine's not working. So strangely right. enough that happened and she got it to work. It was fine. So I go up and I'm the next person and I'm like, I have to say something to her, but these people are like right there. And so I'm not like trying to, you know, cause a scene cause that's not my personality. Right. And so all I could say was without holding up the line, um, you know, I said, you handled that really well. I just said it very quietly to Aww. her and she turned to me and she said, thank you. And then she went back to ringing me up and then she turned back to me and she said, I appreciate you. And she, oh. hand, she seriously, she handed me, you know, my receipts and I said, thank you, you know, have a good day, all of that. But I went out to my car and that for some reason was so life changing for me because she didn't say, I appreciate that you said that. She said, yeah. I appreciate you as in, I appreciate you as a human being because you are you. And that yeah. has literally changed my life. And so now instead of saying, 
I appreciate that you blah, blah, blah. I try to say, I try to catch myself and say, I appreciate you because that has a different meaning. I appreciate that you blah, blah, blah means, you know, you did that for me. That's why I appreciate you. But just, I appreciate you as a human being. I mean, what a different impact. And it's like that person will never know how much that's impacted your life, which is so what I have to remind myself on hard days. Like we all have really hard days in this type of work. And it's like, you have to remind yourself, like, there are people out there that are, are never going to tell you what you said made a difference, but you just have to know it. You just right. absolutely, and from the bottom of your heart, have to believe that. And, you know, think about how many people in that situation where you told her that, for mm-hmm. one, that's probably impacted her life. But secondly, um, how many people would have had that thought but never told her, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like, there's so many missed opportunities to just say something like that and make someone's day. I I think you're absolutely right about that. I have found that there have been times in my life when I've really wanted to say something and I haven't. And then later Mm -hmm. I'm like kicking myself. And so it's, you know, it's been a very conscious effort of mine to make sure that that thing that's on top, like on the tip of your tongue that you want to say is there for a reason. I know. And we don't know. You know, I went into, I'll be honest with you. I went into it thinking like, how can I make her day better? And she completely changed my whole perspective (laughs) on interactions with people. And so I think even if your intention is to help that other person, they may help you 10 times, you know? Yeah. It was, I love that. Yeah, it was great. So thank you for letting me tell my very long story. But well, yeah, no, I, was, I love hearing stuff like that. I wanted to know what you what yeah. stuck out for you. Yeah, that's definitely the first thing that, you know, popped in my mind. And so I'm, you know, I'm wondering as far as being a social worker, you know, we you know, certainly have shared some really impactful parts of our journey, but there are some really hard parts too. Mm-hmm. You know, can you talk a little bit about the hard parts of it and how yes. you navigate those? Oh, um, I will say that this work is extremely discouraging if you let it be, mm-hmm. um, whether it's system failures, whether it's watching people get worse, whether it's your clients, um, committing suicide or losing their life, uh, or they return to a situation that you've been trying to help them stay out of. Um, they are upset with you and call you mean things. Um, right. There, you know, it, it's, um, it has been really hard. And I think for me, what helps is I just was, and this sounds super corny, but I have always been a really tough person. Like, even as a kid, my mom would tell me stories about how, like, I wouldn't really cry or I wouldn't, um, you know, I just have tough skin. And so I think for me, um, part of it is I can, I can handle it. Um, And especially with the trafficking stuff, I, you know, on a daily basis, I hear some pretty horrific things, obviously. And I think, um, I have to really keep in check with that. But at the end of the day, it's like, if I can't do this work, who's going to do this work? And I just really, and that's honestly, that's not a healthy way to think about it. And I'm just being honest with you because to say, oh, I have tough skin. And if I don't do it, who else can? Like, that's not how I'm telling people to think because it's, it's not right. Um, that's just my honest thoughts. Um, what I do work on though, to help myself through these things, um, a lot of things. So a lot of times people say like, Oh, what's self care and what are you doing for yourself? And and we keep it so surface level, right? Like, Oh, a bubble bath and wine. And sure. Those things are (laughs) great, right? Like those things are absolutely great. But then I'm always, I always challenge them. I'm like, but really what is self care? What are you really doing for yourself? And so you know, I have the distraction things of like, I'm a really intense person. So I, I'm on 
various different sports leagues. I like shooting guns. I like boxing. I like being outdoors and I like being around people. So there's pieces of it that it's like to help me get through things. I just need to stay busy Mm -hmm. on the flip side, on the more helpful self, like the true self care side. Um, I force myself to meditate. Um, yeah, it's really hard for me because I'm like, I feel I'm just ADHD and like, I'm, it's really hard for me to sit and focus Mm -hmm. and not think about what needs to be done and what happened today and what's tomorrow. So I felt, I really forced myself to meditate. And when I do, I do feel better. And, Mm -hmm. um, I journal and write poetry. I play music. Um, and I, you know, kind of on that more like softer side of just digging into who you are and, um, I I really take time to now like listen to my body. Mm -hmm. Um, and know what certain things mean. And, um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but just days where I'm like, I need to pay more attention to what that means and what's, what's happening in my head. And, um, I need to let myself cry more. Mm -hmm. I don't you know. It's okay to let it out. And like today sucked. And I just need five minutes to let it out. And then I'm, I'm fine. And I don't do that stuff enough. Um, but again, it's really what works for you. And so, like I said, some of the stuff I'm saying is not healthy and I know that, but it's just, this is what we all struggle with is of course we have coping skills or lack thereof that are not helpful. So, um, I think that's a piece of figuring out who you are though. And at the core of it, it's again, that journaling and meditation and just checking in. And, um, I've really made a point as well for little things not to bother me, like, um, road rage. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I usually am like, I get mad at people and I swear, or let's say I have like 18 bags of groceries in my hand and I drop my keys, you know, of course I'm going like, 86 f-bombs out but um i'm trying really hard to be like you know that's only gonna make me mad and ruin my day and change my energy why would i do that why would i waste this 10 seconds of being upset on on myself like that's that's um not treating myself fairly yeah um and it's not worth ruining my day and so i'm just trying to make more of a point to do that but at the the really core of it too is like you have to love it you just To endure some of those icky days, you have to love, be passionate about and believe in what it is that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do. And like I said, yes, you have days where you're like, this is hard and I can't hear another story about rape or see another client lose their life. But um, knowing that for for those times that happen, you still made a difference and you're trying. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I did the best that I could yes. and that is all I can ask of myself. And I truly tell myself that every day and I tell myself every day what I'm grateful for. And those things keep me going too. Oh, I love that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, one thing too, I want to go back to is that you said, you know, about, about being strong and you know, who's going to do this. I just really appreciate the fact that you were so vulnerable and you shared that. Um, yeah. A lot of times you're right. We skate over that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not really helpful because unless we get really real about life, it's yeah. not going to be beneficial for any of us. And so I love that you shared that um, portion of things, you know, self care, even as a social worker, it's, it's challenging, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe even more so sometimes, but yeah, it is hard. It is. There's a practice that, um, I don't know if you've heard of Rachel Hollis at all, but yes, yes. So she's an, for those people who haven't, she's an author, she's a speaker, go check her out. Um, she has a blog, lots of different things. Um, but she has a practice that she does in the morning where she writes, you know, five things of gratitude. She writes down her goals in the present tense as if they have happened. So if you want to buy a new house, you would say, instead of, I want to buy a new house, I'm living in 
my house that I love or, you know, whatever you would want to put down. And I love that perspective as well of talking about it in the present, like it is actually happening to have that mind shift. But the last thing she does that I really, really appreciate is one step that you can make to get you to your goals and that you can do today. Mm-hmm. And that I think makes things seem much more manageable, right? Like if we're just going for one <laughs> rather than yeah. tackling the whole list. And so um, I personally have been starting my day with that. You know, she has journals that you can buy, but I just do it in a notebook because she says just do it in a notebook if you want yeah. to. And it has really been very, very, you know, life changing for me to really, for one, keep goals in mind in the front of your mind, you know. But also just make sure that you're acknowledging little things that you're grateful for. Sometimes I honestly have on there like tea, socks. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. Cold. Like, you know, being <laughs> in North Dakota, it's cold. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. Like it, it can be that simple. And I think so much of what we do, I think when I did treatment foster care, it's like we, we, we try really hard to just give people what they can handle and um, make it simple, make it about being mindful and we don't do it for ourselves. And so I yeah. love that you said like, it, it can be as simple as like coat and like, you know what? I accomplished that today. Yes. Uh, and that's what I set out to do when I did it. And I just think sometimes it can be that small and we can be okay with that. Yes. I would agree. I often encourage clients, you know, if they feel like they're not making progress, you know, I'll say, well, tell me where you were at. Let's say I've been working with them three months or, you know, six months ago. It doesn't have to be the amount of time that I've been working with them, but tell me where you were at then. Yeah. So tell me where you're at now. And a lot of times when they look at where they were versus where they are, even those small changes, I'm like, hold Mm -hmm. on to those because those are going to keep you motivated. You know, we don't have to fix everything overnight. We just don't. And there, I'm sure you've noticed too, that they're so hard on themselves. You Mm -hmm. know, I had one client who, um, I just think the world of her and she, uh, relapsed and she was so hard on herself and a lot of things happened because of it, but she was honest with me from the get go. And she certainly didn't have to tell me if she didn't want to. And I just think all she needed to hear was someone to tell her that it's okay. Yes. And it is okay. You know, and it's like, everybody's going to relapse. Don't worry about it. Look at, to your point, I, you know, and that's why it made me think of it is telling her, like, look at all this progress you've made. We're going to have hiccups. Like, that's so normal and natural and you're not perfect and you are going to make mistakes. And that's, that's just a part of the growth and the resiliency. And, um, you know, now next time, what will you do differently? And really just helping them then plan go for, you know, going forward and, um, not making them feel badly about that. They already feel badly enough, you know? Sometimes there are bad apples in, in our professions and not that I haven't made mistakes. I absolutely have. But yeah. I, when I hear a lot from clients and you probably have too, Kelly, on, on some of the ways that they've been treated by other providers that just has completely hindered or stunted their ability to move forward because of the shame or judgment yes. that they um, have received from somebody else in a, in a helping profession or someone that's supposed to love and support them. And that's, it's so hard to watch that. Yes. I would, I would definitely agree with that. Um, there's a lot of times that, you know, a client may share, you know, a situation that happened in their personal life or even with working with another provider. And my response is always, I am so sorry that you trusted that person. And that was the, you know, that was the response that you got from them. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really unfortunate. You know, how can we work together now? You know, what Yeah. One other thing it makes me think of, though, too, um, is that, you know, 
not just for your client, but in general, this is going to just follow me here for a minute. I always tell my clients, just follow me here for a minute. It has a purpose, I swear. So my son, um, he's almost three now, but I was at the park or the park with one of our friends and, um, he fell and I said, good recovery. And I didn't even think about it because it's something I say to him often. It's not something I plan to say. It's just, you know, if you like freak out, kids scream, whatever, you know? So I was like, <laughs> so it's just something I picked up, good recovery. But after she pointed out, she was like, I really like that. And I started yeah. thinking, about it and I was like isn't that what we all want mm-hmm. we all want someone just to say good recovery yes you know and oh, that yeah and so that I, I love that I um I think of that too even like we, again someday when I parent I I have high hopes for myself <laughs> yeah. and I think I'll be good at Absolutely. it but, um one of the things I really really am gonna try to do that I did when I worked in treatment foster care is focus on not what they're doing wrong, but how they can change the behavior to your point of, and not that he had to change the fact that he tripped and fell, but I was in the same context of like, instead of saying, don't run, we say walk, please. Instead of saying, don't scream, we say, use your inside voice, like focusing on what you want them to do, not what you don't want them to do. Because again, just that negativity or to your point of saying good recovery, not like, Ooh, you know, and again, they're kind of different, but in the same realm of, um, how we even interact in that way uh, is so important or crucial to their growth and understanding of the world and positive and negative and some of those things. Right. No, I would agree with that. Even as adults, it becomes really overwhelming when we're in negative environments. Mm-hmm. You know, we, if we are in, you know, even a negative work environment, a lot of times, no matter, I'm not saying it's impossible, but no matter how hard you try, it feels like you can't make an impact in that environment if it's so negative. And so if we as adults struggle with negativity, you know, in order to help our children, I think it's really helpful if we can just keep that in mind. If we can't do it, how can we hold them to that level? (laughs) Yeah. You know, where are they learning that? Or, you know, um, what are, what expectations are we holding for them that we don't hold for ourselves? Yes. I love that. That's, yeah. a, that's a great way of looking at it for sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the encouragers podcast for all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. A special thank you to our producer, Joe Burkett, and our assistant, Carrie, who both helped to make this podcast possible. See you next week for another episode.